Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns and today we've got with us Carly Houston. Hi Carly. Hi Michelle, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Good to have you with us today. And um, you've known each other a few, you know, quite a few years passing through different networking meetings and across the uh, educational, property educational world. Um, So it's been great to kind of follow your progress and what you've been up to. So for people who don't know about your journey and yourself, do you want to give us a a quick background just about how you got um, to into investing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I um, got, well, got into property seriously um, about, well, back in 2013, whatever that is, seven, eight, nine, whatever, t- I don't know, yeah, nine years ago or something like that. I thought we were losing track of time with the whole COVID thing, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I had bought an investment flat when I, in 2009, but it was very, you know, it, it wasn't with, with any sort of professional... <laughs> mindset so and uh, so it was in 2013 when getting into it seriously and it was uh, alongside my sister Kirsten who uh, some people might know as well and we decided to to, we really wanted to make a step change in our life I was in a job that uh, I wasn't really that wasn't fulfilling me um, and my sister uh, was commuting every day like we both we both live in the south coast um, on the Brighton Hove area um, and uh, my sister was commuting up to London every day and I was just yeah, as I say in a job that I wasn't fulfilled in so we were looking to kind of make some kind of change um, and we so we decided to get into property together um, and that was really nice we wanted to work together as well so so yeah that's kind of where it started um, and we you know we didn't we didn't have any money to invest and we didn't really know what we were doing either we had very little experience so we just set about educating ourselves we knew we knew we wanted to go down a route um where we were housing more vulnerable people so that was very much the mindset that we started with and looking for the different business models that we could do that where we could actually still make a profitable business but help people at the same time and that was our, our focus from very early on um, also as I said we, we didn't have any money to start with ourselves so we had to also start working with investors from day one we joined the property mastermind program in 2013 did that for a year which was great a great learning um, and we were able to obviously go out to investors so that we were educating ourselves and, and build our portfolio from there Right. Well, let's just dive into that uh, part that you just mentioned then about not having any money from day one. And I think this is something that uh, certainly people who are new to the property education world, they, you know, it's a bit of an eye opener. And some people, you know, quite sceptical whether 
you know, it's possible, you know, how it all works and just getting their heads around how they personally would work with investors. Um, and, you know, we said, you know, plenty of people and, you know, obviously uh, myself and, and yourself, you just said there, started out with, with no big pot of funds, no inheritance, nothing, you know, no equity just to, to invest. So we had to be creative from day one mm-hmm. and, uh, and work with other people. So that can come in many forms. And you're going to be writing an article in, uh, in the YPM magazine, which is due out in October about borrowing responsibly. So I'm sure, you know, from the very beginning, um, do you want to just talk about your mindset around borrowing, you know, from that kind of newbie uh, yeah. perspective? Yeah, yeah. And it is a scary thing and it is difficult to get your, your head around. But I mean, as, as I'm sure lots of your listeners and readers uh, have heard being said many times, no matter how much money you start out with, you, you're going to have to use other people. It's going to run out at some point and you're going to have to use other people's money. You know, if you are looking to build you know, a, a, a sort of business, a property business that you want to be sustainable, that you want to grow to a, a certain level. You know, if you've got quite, uh, you know, people that have got quite a lot of funds to start out with, maybe they don't need to, maybe they're going to build their portfolio slowly over time. And then that's fine. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think most of the people that are in our community are looking to build that serious business. And therefore, you know, you, it is something you need to get your head around. And I think, you know, I do think that the, the, the first thing is to really think about it that it's that you aren't just going out asking for handouts that it that it is about finding where you're where you're offering people an opportunity and you are and it's a mutually beneficial relationship you know you of course you're getting something out of it you're able to use other people's money to to build your your property portfolio but also they're getting something out out of it as well so whether you're doing joint ventures and they've got a share of the property and you're kind of sharing that risk and reward for for the long term or if you're borrowing funds then obviously you're giving them uh, a fixed interest which is going to be a lot better than they're getting in the bank so they're you know so in terms of that sort of skepticalness um you know I think actually there are a lot of people out there with funds that that maybe don't know what to to do like and because I think a lot of people think well why wouldn't they just do it themselves well one some people they don't necessarily have the knowledge and a lot of people just don't have the inclination you know they might they might have a job they might work you know, full time, they just don't have the time to to learn how to make the money work for them. And and actually, they're leveraging you as much as you're leveraging them because they're leveraging your time and your knowledge and your skills. And uh, so because we didn't, because we started out with none of our own funds in the beginning, we did have to get our head around that quite a lot. I mean, I, I coach and mentor a lot of people now. And actually, sometimes the people that start out with the pot of money, even you know it takes them a lot longer to get yeah. their head around it because they can't they can't sort of fathom that making that next step into using other people's money and also the deals that you do have to be different so a deal that you might do with your own money um well you know a deal might work if you're using your own money in terms of the returns and the cash flow that it's given you but actually if you're using other people's money and you start factoring in the interest you're going to be paying them and the, the fact that you've got to pay that money back then it's a very different type of deal that you you need to look at and I think that's something you know that's important to to mention uh, but now I'm trying to mention remember your original question just that how did we get around that that mindset do you want to talk to us about like the first loan that you can remember doing the first kind of big one? What, what, you know, cause it, it can be a bit daunting when you think of, you know, how much money, especially if you, you know, you're investing in, in larger, uh, 
obviously mm-hmm. down south it's you know more expensive you do need more money to start off with yeah exactly and and you know and I think that's the thing because we started off in an expensive area we and that's where we wanted to invest so we had very specific criteria we we wanted to we didn't want to be more than a kind of 45 minute drive from where we are we live in um in Brighton we're actually in Hove uh, and it said well we want to be able to invest in the area where we live we didn't want to go up north we, we just we wanted to be down south so straight away it was like we're buying high value properties so we are you know from day one we're talking quite large sums of money so again that was something to get our head around in terms of those first couple of deals that we did and when we started out I mean and and I think this is what I would always say to people is you know start with people that you know um, really think about who who are those people that you know I mean whether it's family members close friends um, then you know you've you've got that relationship there hopefully you've got that trust already and then you can kind of build on that and so the very first deal that we did uh, was actually my neighbour was our investor and we did do that as a as a joint venture and you know I just was talking to her about what she's doing she's a very positive open-minded person and so I was just telling her what we're doing we just started mastermind I said okay we're, and she said well, how are you going to do it and I said well you know we're learning how to to um, to buy properties where we can add value and then you know we can get higher cash flow because we're, we were focusing on the HMO strategy so sort of explained that to her and I said and then how we're going to fund that is by working with investors uh, people will put money in and we'll give them a really great return uh, and then um, we can do more pro- we can do projects like that and, and so she just thought that sounded great and she was going to be and she said well I've got this money it's in stocks and shares it's not doing that great um and she said I was thinking of just buying like a studio flat for cash um but I wasn't going to get those kind of returns uh you know I'd be really interested and she said and to be honest I'd probably never get around to doing it uh, I don't think I'd be bothered um so we were able to show that actually if she put in her money and she came in in a joint venture that actually half of the property that we were doing was going to give her higher returns than her going out and buying like a studio flat oh, a single a single let buy to let so that was sort of how the first deal happened um you know that relationship was there <clears throat> and then you know and then the next couple of investors was like a, a really good friend of my sister's who has some money and he so he loaned us money so so these are the two different types you've got the doing the joint venture and then you're doing doing the loans and they both have their place and they both work really well and there's there's certain situations where it makes much more sense to do a joint venture and certain situations where it might make more sense to do um a loan uh, and I think the key you know and the key thing that and again something comes up in the, when I'm coaching mentoring people is just is just making sure that when when you are the borrower you're the person doing the the work and you work with investors that you really do understand the kind of difference and what's in, involved in that you know so if you are if you're borrowing the money you know you're, you're taking 100 of the risk and you've got to really acknowledge that because you're saying to that person I guarantee you that I'm going to give you this interest and I also guarantee you that I'm going to pay you the money back in our in our agreed period of time no matter what so even if that project goes wrong even if that project loses money you know you're still liable to pay them a hundred percent of that money back so you're taking a hundred percent of the risk with the joint venture um you're sharing risk and reward so you know if they put the money in um then obviously you are um you're saying to them okay you put the money in you know like the sort of i mean a joint venture is a blank piece of paper you can work it out at any kind of um in any way that you want but the sort of classic one of the 50 50 you've got 
one person doing all the work, one person putting in the money, and you sort of essentially put equal value on those two things because um, you're, you're sharing the profits 50-50. But that investor is essentially loaning the JV relationship the money. So they are still owed that money back, but they're they're kind of parking it in the property, if you like. And then if that, and then they will take 50% of whatever the profit is. So that could go up or down, you know, if the cash flow isn't as high or if there's uh, void periods, you know, then they'll take the hit uh, as well as you in terms of uh, whether the cash flow uh, will go up or down. Same with the equity, they get 50% of the, of the equity uplift, but obviously if that property went down in value, then they will lose money as well as you. But you're still, well, and this is the other thing that people need, need sometimes miss, and, and and sometimes it could be the people putting in the money as well. They think they're taking all of the risk when they're putting in the money, but you are actually still liable for 50% of the risk. So if there was a loss, you as the delivery partner, you generally, you're going to have to find 50% of that loss. You do still need to think about that because you will still owe 50% of that loss, if that makes sense. And again, I think that's something... I don't want to get too detailed and technical here, but, you know, I think it is important. These things are important to, to think about. Yeah. It's, that's um, essentially the difference between the two. That's a good point. And, you know, did you find that it was easier than you thought at the beginning or uh, did it take a while to, you know, sort of practice talking to lots of different people about, you know, what the opportunities were? Um, I mean, I think it was, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if easy is the right word. I mean, because part of me thinks that, you know, and this is, you know, why, why I wanted to write this article for my pain and why we're kind of having this conversation now. Part of me does think it is almost a bit too easy to borrow money. In. And I know people that just starting out will go, for God's sake, you know, <laughs> good her saying that. She's like, raise money. And, you know, and they think, and then they're really struggling to fund yeah. the first deal and everything like that. But actually, once you get going, yeah. you know, it's amazing, like, how easy it can be. And, and, you know, and obviously I'm not, not naming any names, but there's been some high profile um, cases where, you know, where people, where, where companies have borrowed a lot of private investor money, you know, they haven't managed it well, they haven't looked after that well, and they haven't been very responsible in doing so, and people have ended up losing money. But, you know, I, I think it was too easy for them to, to borrow that money in the, in the first place, because once you get that reputation and that profile going yeah. actually you know I get you know once once I got going you know I would be having regular texts from people saying I've got some money can you do anything with it and you know and that's you know it's a great position to be in but you know in the words of, of Spider-Man with like with great power comes great responsibility yeah, uh, and you've really got to think about that just because people are offering you money that you know you've got to really think carefully about okay what should I be doing this so, yeah. so in the beginning because I started people that I know it was it was remarkably I suppose easy as is kind of we put a lot of effort in I mean I say it, the, the 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 sort of the closing the the investors was kind of the easy part but we but that was we, we were only able to do that because of all the work that we'd yeah. done in terms of educating ourselves in terms of like being able to be very clear on the numbers and all of that so there was a lot of hard work involved in being in the situation to be able to present but you know first and foremost it is with working with investors it is no like and trust that is the, the first and foremost and then you know and actually so if you're quite personable if you're good at building relationships you know then and and then people trust you then they're they're quite willing to to work with you so then 
so because of that then you you're the in a sense you're the one that's then got to go well I really need to think about doing this making sure that I'm totally sure and I'm and totally responsible in the way that I'm the way that I'm taking this money from people yeah I just wanted to highlight that so because it maybe easy isn't right or maybe it's more like straightforward once you do get to a certain point you've got that credibility you've got the track record and you know you've educated yourself and you are in a position where you know you can uh make you know offer great returns to other people um but so let's cover it in both angles then one yeah. from you know you as a borrower mm-hmm. and then uh you know what sort of due diligence should you be doing sort of on that person who's lending you the money or the company's lending you the money. Um, and let's flip it over to the other side if if someone is. Yes, yeah, because because both sides are really important. And yeah. actually, just to mention on the, the other side, I think a lot of a lot of emphasis is put on uh, onto the responsibility of the lender to do their due diligence on the borrower. And, and, and obviously quite rightly, so if you're going to lend someone money, you should do your your due, your due diligence on them. Um, and you know but on the on the flip side you know and you and people do do that and you know someone can have a great reputation and things can still go wrong but like on the so it's coming back to like to to address that first as the as the borrower what do you need to do well yeah your actual due diligence I can't well that's a tongue twist for me for some reason um on the on the lender so there's I mean obviously some key things I mean if you if you know them already and you've got that relationship you know then they fall into the kind of friend category in terms of like we all know about the the FCA regulation stuff that's come in and so you do have to be very careful about soliciting for uh, funds and 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 uh, advertising interest rates or specific uh, returns and things like that um if you know the person that 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 doesn't stand quite as much but you do want to you do want to as a as a borrower you want to be asked like understanding their situation you know like you know because really in a way they you know you want to make sure that they know what they're doing you know so even if they're like someone that uh, that you know that's a friend or family member you you want to be really clear that they actually fully understand what they're getting into and be very wary of like taking someone's life savings you know for your projects so if the, you know if they've got you know you you still kind of really essentially want to be working with high net worth individuals sophisticated investors and we know that um, I mean obviously people can look that up but you know someone that's uh, considered to be a high net worth individual is someone that sort of earns over £100,000 a, a year in their job or, or someone that has £250,000 uh, of equity not including their own home that's kind of classes someone as a high net worth and a sophisticated investor someone who has made in other inv- I don't know all the details of it but someone that's made specific investments and is used to investing and is, is knowledgeable about investing so actually you know I think it's a good idea to work with those people anyway if you are working with people that maybe don't have as much money you know and they are they are sort of maybe giving you smaller amounts and it is like a big chunk of what they've got then being really clear to them about what the risks are and and also but just knowing in yourself that you have the means you have the means to pay them back you know, even if that project goes wrong and that you but you talk them through because everything has risk that you talk them through like what are all the possible things that go wrong and even the most unlikely things you go and well look 
you know, at the end of the day, if the project goes wrong, this is how I'm going to pay you back. If that happens, you know, like, you know, so obviously in the circumstances where the whole property market crashes and it, but we're all, we're all kind of, we're all a bit screwed then anyway. But, but you've got, you know, you kind of go, look, there are circumstances under which you could lose this money. And these are the circumstances, but this is what I've got in place. This is my situation. This is my financial situation. And this is how I would in the event that this happened that this thing went wrong then this is my backup plan this is what i would do yeah so it's so so it's it's that so it's it's being really clear with the investor what you know like showing telling them what their potential risks are and you know i know in a sense maybe it's down to them to kind of think about that but i think as a borrower i think it's very good to point all those things out and then also just being super super clear on your numbers so like um uh, you know, so some of the mistakes, you know, the pitfalls, really, some of the mistakes that, that, that people make is really, you know, overestimating what the end value of a project is going to be, um, under, underestimating how long it's going to take. So, you know, if you think about, I always say if you're borrowing money from someone, you need to make sure that you are, again, if you're borrowing, um, you are, as I said before, you're taking 100% of the risk. Therefore, you have to be well prepared and willing to lose your own money before you will let an investor lose money. So you need to know that you've got the means to do that. Um, so, um, so, like if, so you need to be prepared to sell your own home, everything that you own, the shirt off your back, before you will let an investor lose money. And I think if you don't have that attitude and if that's not what you think, then I don't think that, for, for me, I don't think that's responsible. And I think, you know, if you're sort of trying, like thinking of trying to just protect your own assets and still borrow money from other people so that it's just their money's risk, then that, I don't think that's responsible and, and ethical. You know, um, you know, unless, unless you've got a specific project and it's, you know, in the very high returns and it's they're fully aware of what they're getting into. But I mean, if we're talking about property uh, projects where, you know, you're borrowing the money to, to buy a property um, and you're you're guaranteeing them that you're going to pay that back and give them the interest, then it's like, OK, you need, what, what happens if that project goes wrong? How, how are you going to pay them back? What if it gets downvalued? Um, so, yeah, so there's there's a few things to, to think about, which I can... Going to there's, the so, there's so much to think about because, I know, I know, know, I know. I'm trying to pick up the relevant like terrifying people <laughs> we look at it as a whole then you've got the beginning which is the the preparation beforehand you know uh doing your due diligence on the lender and and the project and making sure all your numbers are correct yeah. and then the ongoing managing uh you know the project and making sure that you're responsible in terms of uh making sure it all goes well and you know being realistic numbers not um you know not being uh, yeah too and then and the exits as well and how you're going to pay them back and then you've got two things there in terms of the things that you can control so yeah. you know doing your due diligence and getting that gdv number more accurate not being too optimistic and then you've got things that aren't in your control you know like uh, property market crash or covid or whatever it might be um so in terms of borrowing responsibly then is there anything else that you know you, you know you, what else can we talk about in terms of how yeah. people can be mindful of 
Yeah, absolutely. Because so I think there's a few. I think like recognizing the pitfalls that that, that some people um, you know fall into, and and then thinking about what you can do to to mitigate that. So as I said before, some of the things that that people do, the mistakes that people make, is, is as I said, like sometimes overestimating what their values are going to be, and you know underestimating how how long things are going to take. So I think really stress testing your your numbers. So really looking at well, what's the worst like working off the worst case scenario figures and then what would it look like if it did get down values and then what's your kind of black backup plan for for repaying that investor if you don't pull out enough money to to, to pay them um so so some of the the, the other the, the sort of key things to be really mindful of is you know we is um with borrow money is is making sure that you really allow for all of that invested interest within the project so you actually borrow for a specific project i think i think what ha what can happen and i think what maybe happened with some of these sort of ha high profile cases that that went wrong is that as it became very easy to to borrow more and more money i think people just like were bank land banking or almost like land banking investor money so but you know so an investor said oh, i'll lend you fifty thousand, that and good and not wanting to say no so actually just going okay on board of that because there's some projects in the pipeline yeah. and so actually borrowing money and investor money and having it sitting in the bank when there isn't actually a project going on well, so that's then accruing interest well you've got to allow for paying that interest somewhere so if, if you're do if you do your uh your numbers on a deal and you've got your nice spreadsheet and you're going okay with that project i'm going to buy it there and once we buy it it's going to take six months to refurb and then it's going to take three months to refinance so i only need the money for nine months okay but actually they haven't factored in that they might borrow the money two months before they they exchange because you know they want to have the money in the bank and then factor in oh and then if that happens what if it then what if then the exchange gets delayed for another month? So that's another month of interest. And then what happens if the, the refinance gets delayed and then that's another month of interest on that? So you've got to actually think about even if the project from the point you're buying it to the point you refinance, and if you think that's nine months, you've got to factor in if you're holding that money for any length of time that that interest is accruing. So that has got to be allowed for within the project yeah. And if you're doing like um an HMO, for example, the like or the buy refurb refinance model that a lot of people are doing, you know, I always like to um allow for all of the interest within the development cost of that. So I don't think, oh, well, I'll just get take it out of the cash flow later, you know, like um so I and don't account for it. And I think sometimes people do that. So it's good, that's part of the development cost of that project. So you allow for all of that interest, and that's part of the cost. And then at the point that you refinance it, and if you've got some money left in and you're keeping some investor money long term, then the interest starts to come out of the cash flow at that point. So you really got to think about how you're going to pay that interest. And, and then does the deal stack up when you take into account all of that interest? Um, I'd also make sure that when you're, you know, when you're borrowing money from people, it's like always borrow, always borrow for longer than yeah. you think you're going to need it for another thing people can be really optimistic about the time scales is like oh yeah you can let me 50,000 I'm only going to need, need it for six months and it's like well 
if you think you're only going to need it for six months, well, you know, you like that. What, what an investor could go, oh, that's great. Oh, I can lend it to you for six months because it's sitting in the bank and then I'm going to buy something. So, so you know, so if you know that they need it back after six months, then just don't borrow that money because actually, if you think it's only going to take you six months, you want to borrow that money for maybe. 12 months you know like how, how long are they happy to leave it tied up for so I would always check with an investor like you know be, be, even before I've talked about how long a project might take I'd be like how long would you be happy for that money to be tied up and, and receiving that high interest for um and if they you know if they're saying like well 12 18 months and you know so say it was like okay well, tw- say they said right I'd be happy to leave it tied up for 12 months and you know so then I might say well I think the project might only take about six months but let's Let's make an agreement that it's up to 12 months, but I'll pay you back earlier if the if the money comes in so that you are not having to pay all the interest up to 12 months. So you've got that option to pay it back early, but you're borrowing it for way longer than you think you need it. Yeah. So I think that is really important because I think people sort of, I think people have the attitude almost that people don't want to lend their money for that long. And in actual fact, you know, it's like why would they why would they not want to if they're getting a really good return, why would they want to do it for a short term? But the other on the flip side of that, you know, what you need to also be careful of is borrowing the money really long term, just assuming that you're going to have another project to roll it over yeah. into, because you could then go, you know, they go, Yeah, but well, I'm happy to give you lend you the money for three years. Um, well then, you know, if you've you know you're borrowing that for one project, um, and then you've got that, and then that money comes back to you, and then it takes you three, four months to get another deal. Well, then that you've got all of that money sitting there, you know, you've got to pay that interest. So that's another danger. So I, I always like to think about I'm borrowing the money for a specific project, and then ideally paying that back at the end of the, the project. Um, and then the chances are, you know, if you've got another project anyway, that same investor is just going to want to relend you. Um, you know, sometimes you will have multiple projects, so it can work to roll that over. But I think you always want that option to kind of pay it back. Um, or you can borrow it very long term if it's for a specific project that you know that then that actual project can pay out for that length of time. You know, the, if that makes sense. Yeah, just having that demarcation of like, this money is for this project uh, I think is really important and uh, and with that then you know you've got certain terms with that project with that specific loan and then you know if you choose to re-borrow that money or the the lender chooses to lend again and then it's on a different project that should be a completely separate contract right so do you do you want to talk about contracts and how you know they're really important to have and how to go about you know getting a special solicitor to draw them up and making sure that you know everyone's happy with all of the terms in the yeah i mean i think the first thing you you speak to investors like really you know working out what their criteria is what what they're looking to achieve and you know and also that might determine whether you go down the loan route or the the jv route um but um and and we didn't actually talk about the due diligence for the the investor needs to do so we can come back that was the second part of the the, the, (laughs) you asked before wasn't it so we need to um we need to to touch on that um but in terms of contracts is you know you first of all do it like a heads of terms you know where you um agree um sorry my cat's meowing outside where you where you um where you just agree the the terms of that and then get the contract drawn up by a solicitor 
I mean, if you if it's like straightforward loan, you might you know you might get a, um, it drawn up by a solicitor, and then you might use that loan agreement uh, again. I mean, the the benefit obviously of using solicitor each time is that that then gets registered with the solicitor, and they're you know they've got some kind of um, liability in terms of like the having drawn up the contract and stuff if if there was any issues. Um, so I always get. Um, uh, like loan agreements drawn up by a solicitor uh, obviously a GAV agreement is a slightly different thing if you're going to have a company if you're going to do something in a company with a GAV partner then you might have a shareholders agreement but the best thing is just I think people are scared to speak to solicitors or they want to scrimp on agreements or the you know but I think you just have a conversation with the solicitor and you you, you know you want to pay for you pay for contracts you know don't try and get a loan agreement off someone else get a loan agreement specifically to you um, and then obviously if you've got an investor that you work with regularly so some of the investors that just reinvest with me all the time you know we'll use you know we'll, we'll reuse similar contracts and just edit it ourselves but and they're comfortable with that um, but um, so yeah so I think I think that and in terms of anything else on the contract side any other questions yeah, I think it's just important you know some people just either you know they're downloading something from somebody yeah, on Facebook yeah. or they're not you know they're not doing it uh, they're not borrowing responsibly I guess it's yeah, really yeah, that, yeah. Doesn't it? of just uh, operating your business professionally you know this isn't a hobby and you're not just even like I want to say even if you're borrowing from a friend or family but actually in a lot of cases it's you know it's just as important if not yeah. more to get that contract in place because everyone's on the same page it's crystal clear it's in black and white there can't be any oh well, I thought you meant this and I thought you meant that like just you know it, yeah, it's it, it's a terrible just a thought to for anyone's money to kind of you know be lost on a project but if you've got a relationship and you've got family members and things it just can be uh very yeah more complicated got it. well exactly I mean you you know you want the relationship there and obviously the benefit of a, a friend or family member is that you have got that relationship that is the no like and trust thing there but you 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 and and tr like trust I mean trust is the number one most important thing but it's not enough you know you've got to have the paperwork to, yeah. to back it up because you know, people leave them with the best will, will in the world can start out with the best intentions and then things can go wrong and snowball and all of that. And so you, you, you the, the trust is the most important thing to have in place. I mean, if you're, you know, going on to this kind of due diligence of the, the, the lender, if you feel any kind of inkling that you don't trust that person that you're about to lend money to, then just don't do it you know don't go well I don't really trust them so I'll just make sure to have all the paperwork in oh, there. <laughs> like no no you, you have to 100% trust them first then make sure you have all the paperwork in place you know it's not just like oh, uh, that um, but yeah but they're giving really good returns therefore or I've got a bad you know it's like so sometimes when things have gone wrong like quite often there might have been a little niggle or there might have been something where you're not really sure about the person and it's like well if you've got that then just don't there are plenty of people out there that you can work with that you know so i say like for, first of all you have to definitely trust them and and 100 believe that um they've got integrity they're doing the right thing and they that they are that what they're telling you is true it doesn't mean that it is because obviously people can make stuff up um but then and then you go so you've got to have that feeling first and then then you make sure you've got the paperwork to to, um, to back up and then in terms of the other due diligence from the, the lender's point of view is I mean you've got to establish your own like risk um 
you know, appetite for risk in terms of what security you're happy to take. You know, you might decide that you're only going to lend someone if you get first charge, which is obviously the best security you can get. Um, and but, you know, that that's hard to do because you're only going to get the first charge is if, you, if you're going to lend a lot of money and you'd essentially act in, acting as the mortgage lender. So though that's when you're you're then lending the money instead of the mortgage. So the chances are that's going to be lower interest. Um, and um, and, you know, you have to have large sums of money to, to be able to get the first charge. You can do joint first charge things, which I won't go into in more detail. So a little bit more complex, but that can work quite well. Um, so and then the other thing, of course, is personal guarantees. So that would that would be the next stage. I mean, you can obviously sometimes get second charges, but usually the first charge lender doesn't allow it. So that can be very difficult, you know, unless it's a development, you might be able to. But the danger of just going and getting a second charge is if something goes wrong with that project and you've just your security is just second charge then obviously the first charge lender is going to get paid and you you might not so if you're going second charge then i would say you want to get a personal guarantee as well as that uh, and then you've got just the personal guarantee which is a, you know which is an unsecured loan which is you know when i've worked with investors you know the majority of the the loans i've worked with investors have been sort of unsecured and with a personal guarantee so that is the security is my personal guarantee and then, of course, that has to be worth the paper that it's written on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so so I'll say that obviously the, so, so if you're lending someone, you then really want to um, understand their financial situation. You can do some searches. I mean, you know, I suppose at the very least you can go on company sales. You can sort of do, you know, have they been have they had financial problems that, you know, have they ever been bankrupt, you know, because there may be little things that are, are that send up red flags on their history. Um, but, you know, they, you want them to tell you everything and then, you know, you can sort of do some background checks and do some company's house checks and all of that. Um, and then, you know, you really want to go what what assets, what's the sort of assets and liabilities they've got. So do they own properties already? what's the portfolio and you really want to understand well what's their debt level and what's their what's their equity level so their sort of their net worth their their um um is you know the difference between what's the value of their assets compared to how much debt they've got on the assets now obviously you can get um confirmation of the first charge debt but you've got to take their word for it and when they tell you what how many other loans investment yeah. person guarantee because you've got no way of knowing so you you know so you know if someone if I'm giving someone the details of my assets and liabilities you know I've got a list and I go right and this is how much and this is how many loans I've got for unsecured loans from other investors in my portfolio so that's then that's then um that's then accounted for within all of my debt so then you can see well this is all my assets this is all my debt including the unsecured debt but that could be made up i mean that could you know you know at the end of the day that you know you 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 haven't really got any way of knowing so again that's where the trust element of it comes in um, really is that you've kind of got to trust that they're telling the truth um, and then you've got to feel if you're comfortable with that and it might be that you're not comfortable with that and that's fine um so that, so that's one side of it just on the actual borrower themselves um, and then the other side is like well, the project that you're lending the money for. So even if you're if you're lending money, then yeah, that you're not sharing in the profits of that deal, but you still want to know how good the deal is because you want to see what's the ceiling above. You know what? How the more profit they are making, the better. So it doesn't matter, you know, because sometimes borrowers are like they don't want to share how much profit they're making 
with an investor they're borrowing money because they're like, oh, well, if they see how much profit I'm making, they're going to want more. And it's like, well, not really, because, you know, you, your profit could go down. And actually, the more profit you're making, the better, because then the safer their money is, because you want to see, like, how much there is, how much profit there is above, you know, they're lending you on secured. You've got the mortgage debt and all of that. You've got their their money so the higher the profit margin is above that the better for them because it's like uh, uh you know and, and then it's like well if they wanted more profit then they could go out and do that themselves and then they're not gonna because you know so, <laughs> so that's so you know it's I, I mean i'd say don't be worried as the borrower don't be worried about sharing how much profit you're going to make because at the end of the day you're offering what you're offering and they can take it or leave it you know they can say well i think i should get more and you can go well actually no, in this situation, because I'm borrowing, I am taking 100% of the risk because I'm, I'm borrowing that money from you and I'm going to guarantee you pay you back. And, if you know, if anything went wrong with that project, then it's me that takes the hit, you know. I mean, I have had projects, you know, we've done more like buy to sell stuff. I've had projects where, um, you know, and this was, sort of, you know, earlier on and like making mistakes and stuff. I've had projects where um, the the, um, where it's been like a buy to sell and it's gone on so long that the bridging interest the inv investor interest I've got to the point where I actually like have ended up making no money out of that deal because of all the things that I'd all the things that I'm saying now that I didn't have that foresight at that time so I'm trying to sort of teach people like even from like mistakes that I've made the investors didn't lose money of course they didn't because I, I wouldn't let that happen but so they got way more you know even though they were getting maybe a fixed interest rate because the project wasn't maybe as good as we thought it were, or it just took longer, we had issues with planning and all of that, then the situation is that that fixed interest actually got them a lot more money than what I've made, what I made out of the project. And you just got to, you just take that on the chin, you know, it, it's like, that's just the way that it is. Yeah. So, so then, so in terms of like, so I'm going back and forth between an investor and borrower, because I think, you know, it is a bit of back and forth. So from that point of view, as the lender, so I'd say that's the due diligence bit you want to do. Um, th th so this could be difficult for people starting out because you go, well, that's all very well, you know, like talking about assets and liabilities and having having that equity. So it's like, well, what if you are just starting out and you don't have if your personal guarantee isn't worth the paper it's written on? I mean, I was lucky in the situation in when I was starting out because. Um, that, so I didn't have any money to invest but I did um, my husband and I did we do have a, a home and we uh, we have a home and, a, and we had quite a lot of equity in that house um, we'd like got on the property ladder in London like years before and we'd moved down to Brighton so we had um, quite a high value house with a relatively low mortgage so I had a lot of equity in that house we weren't actually able to release any of that because our income wouldn't allow us to at that time so so but it was at least I knew I had that so at least I knew I had that money and and I and I, and I don't know how comfortable I would have felt borrowing money from people if I if I didn't know that or at least I would have been like this is my situation you know you don't have to lend me money you, it's completely your choice but you have to understand that I'm giving you a personal guarantee so um you know so I was able to go I'll give you a, pers a personal guarantee this is how much equity I've got in my own house. So if that project goes wrong, I will sell my house because that is because I'm building my property business and that's what I'm, you know, that's the risk that I'm taking. Yeah. So um that's in your credibility. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and I think it's important though you mentioned about 
basically being transparent and that communication yeah. and you know at the end of the day that's you know that's all you can be responsible for is is your yeah. own integrity your own um you know just being transparent and authentic about what you're doing and then it's up to the lender if they want to lend based on those terms so um to kind of wrap up do you want to just uh, should we finish off by talking about the communication and you mentioned there about projects don't go to plan not necessarily they don't they go wrong um but they don't go to plan and you end up having to you know keep them rather than selling them um so that communication with the lender then uh, you know, yeah i mean i think put their heads I think in the sand don't they a lot of the time think oh it's not going to plan like i don't not sure what to uh what to say a visitor <laughs> this is a this is chica um yeah i mean i think communication is absolutely key so you want to you want to stay you know you want to keep your keep your investors um um updated uh, regularly uh i mean just just a quick thing on just to finish up the point on the you're borrowing the money and if you don't have the assets and stuff like that that's where i would say to people maybe think about doing joint ventures you know initially if you don't have the assets you know maybe look at joint ventures where they do have a share in the asset that you're buying you know if you don't have the assets to to really underwrite uh, a loan situation so that's something to to think about so then coming on to the like you know pre, so always like think about preempting things that go wrong so if you do have a project and you have borrowed money for a, a certain length of time and then you can see actually this is going to overrun so maybe you have only borrowed the money for six months or eight months and something's gone wrong you know with covid you know or or you know that the the, the re, like the market's pretty slow with refinancing and all of that then it's just don't leave it until the day before you're meant to pay the loan back and say oh I need to extend the loan or kind of an extension because that's just going to set, send panic into the investor you know and go well what the hell's going on because you've probably known for some time that it might run over so it's like so that's a case of people burying their head in the sand and just thinking oh you know oh god I can't deal with this so I say like if you think it's going to run over, you're you're probably going to have like a month or two months notice of that where it looks like. So I'd always be going to the investor well in advance and going, look, here's the situation. This is what we've done. This bit's taken longer because we had this issue with the build or the refinance is going to take longer. Would you be happy to extend the loan? You know, at the point, I don't. it looks like we probably won't be able to uh, pay the loan back on this on the date agreed are you happy for the money to be tied up a bit longer and then you would go and and what and then what's the longest you know just say like again I think uh, you know I think it'll be delayed like by a couple of months or whatever it, it is but what's the longest you'd be happy for that money to be tied up just so that I don't want to be coming back to you again and asking for another extension so let's yeah. do that okay early so very much that uh, preempting and then and then if you do it early enough and they say do you know what no I really need it back because I'm doing a project then you you know that gives you enough time to find another investor to replace them so it's always always thinking ahead and always thinking about the backup plans um for for because you want you don't want to be ever in a situation where that investor needs the money and you're not able to pay it back so you want to have multiple options for for dealing with that yeah i think that keyword is there multiple options of you know not just one investor to back it up but if for any reason something goes wrong with that investor, then you know somebody yeah. else. Ideally, who somebody who has shown a commitment, they've transferred part of the money in advance. Even if you've got an overlap of a month or two, it's much better to have that uh, ready to yeah. go. Um, 
Great. Well, um, any kind of final thoughts then in terms of obviously, you know, your, uh, you do your own coaching and mentoring. Um, any, any, yeah, any final thoughts for people who are looking to, looking to borrow money responsibly? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think there is a lot to it. I think it's like, you know, I don't want to terrify people. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it can be an amazing thing to have a, you know, a relationship with an investor and, and have that like a long-term relationship that's really mutually beneficial to both of you. you. You're providing them with amazing value. They're providing you with amazing value. And you're doing, you'd be able to facilitate something for each other that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do on your own, which is really a, an amazing thing. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's it's something that, you know, it's a great thing to do. So I wouldn't say, you know, do, you know, I think people that say, oh, never borrow money. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think you can, you can do it. And I think, I think the key thing is to just be responsible, to build that relationship, to be honest and, and to hold on to things lightly as well. Like I always, something that I always share with all my, my coaching clients is with whatever, if they're getting overwhelmed or if they're getting really attached to a deal or work with an investor, what I always say to them is like, have high intention and low attachments. It's a bit of a kind of woo-woo spiritual kind yeah. of attitude, but I, I really like it and it really syncs with people. So always have the, the high intention of what you're doing, but don't be super attached to the outcome because then that's when you come across desperate and you know and and just like build those relationships so you've got those uh you know you've got those multiple options that we talked about um yeah. and just really make sure that you know what you're doing so learn get educated definitely i'll work with other people who are yeah. More, yeah yeah exactly more experienced than and, you and, then, and you don't know. don't be afraid like i don't like this idea of giving away you're giving away deals or you're giving away equity it's like it's better, certainly in the beginning you know think about doing joint ventures and I, I like doing a mix of joint ventures and loans I think that works really well especially in high value areas expensive areas where we are we're actually you, we, we do deals where there's quite a lot of money left in after we've done we've added a lot of value and we get great crash, cash flow but there's quite a lot of money left in so they work brilliantly with a joint venture partner who's happy to park money long term and then you've not got that pressure of how you're going to pay them back so I think a mix of doing that but again you've got to lots to think about which we don't have time to go into on all the things to think about when you're going into a joint venture because it is you know it's not to be taken lightly part two <laughs> yeah yeah part two we have to do that yeah there's so much more to say but yeah there is and obviously so much you know more that you've been up to as well and, and yes. my journey so you know just to kind of give people uh some direction where they can find out more about yourself what you're up to your coaching mentoring um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, um, you can contact me on Facebook. Um, you know, just private message me on Facebook. I do, I do do some mentoring. I don't do a huge amount. I like to, uh, very much for me, it's all about lifestyle and having time. But I do do some coaching and mentoring, so that you know, that's potentially something I would I'd be able to help people with. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interested to to chat to me, just probably the best way to get me is message them on Facebook. Right. And I'd add to that, just mention that you've uh, heard about Carly on the YPN podcast. So it's not just a random request. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so great. OK, we'll put the links to all those uh, social media in, links in the show notes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Really I don't have a website that. at the moment and I'm just I'm uh, getting one sorted out. Actually, <laughs> after all these years, that's another thing, because all my all the people that invested, it's all been like word of mouth and just building relationships and stuff. So it's never kind of ended up coming through you know that way so it's like I, I've never sort of had that need to do it but I, I um, well we need to be focusing on the right things then Carly <laughs> yeah. great 
Great. Oh, it's been lovely to have you on. Um, yeah, I look forward to reading your article in the October YPN issue. Thank you. Love to speak to Michelle as ever. Take care. Bye. Bye. And for anyone who's listening and is not yet a subscriber to the magazine, please click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial. See you next time, guys. Bye.